Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. Luke and I are unpacking uh, modern thinkers and thought leaders, currently Tim Ferriss. We've been talking about him for a bunch of episodes. Now we're going to go into how to add a, a sense of urgency with death because yesterday we were talking about fear setting and this is progressing, right? We've gone from learning and taking on challenges and risks and then how you're reframing this and then, all right, we're starting to think out how do you overcome fear, but then you can overcome fear, sure, but then what's the incentive to act right now? Because in theory, you could just do it at another point. How do you create a sense of urgency? Now, Luke, Tim Ferriss is a big fan of stoicism. Uh, he's good friends with Ryan Holiday, who, you know, daily stoic and has written books unpacking all the, you know, wise yep. <laughs> Romans and everything. And so he spends a lot of time meditating on death <laughs> as this gives him a, a sense of like urgency, forces him to have uncomfortable conversations that can change things. We were obsessed yesterday with that quote, hard choices, easy life, easy life, hard choices or whatever it was, vice versa. So when you push things like death out of focus, it's too easy to avoid uncomfortable but necessary actions. And so he has a, a memento mori coin from Ryan Holiday. Memento mori means I think all men must die. Or no, that's something in Game of Thrones. What does it mean? Basically, it's a reminder that we it's, all die. It's similar to that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then quotes that are etched into driftwood around his house. So at the time he said this, that was some of the things he did to keep death like front of mind. Now, on death specifically, he says, A, it's outside your control. B, it happens to everyone. And C, you can hone your perception of death and make it more than an overwhelming sadness. He brings up this quote. Liam loves this quote. He always quotes this to me. Wise sage once said, what are you unwilling to feel? What are you unwilling to feel? So for him, you know, like, like his history with depression, he, he optimized everything to be positive and tried to mm. cap any down moments. Yeah. Right. He doesn't want to feel down because he's had depression, right? He says, but what you resist tends to persist. All right? What you resist tends to persist. Like it starts to have a negative impact on your life. It's like denying a cancer. You're just letting it grow when you decide not to get help or try and treat it. So one example for him, like he just uses minor key music, for example, which is a note of melancholy. And he listened to that before something with a more upbeat track. This was one of the conditioning things he did help him realize that sadness is transient that one's psyche is porous by that he means those fear things and the feelings you're afraid of feeling normally hold you back like you don't want to feel like a failure you don't want to feel uh, you want to get crit criticism if you do something new or if you put yourself out there all those things you're afraid of feeling if you can start to just sit with them by tricking yourself into experiencing them and then notice that they flow in and out just like feelings like excitement and a lot of the positive things they lose their power over you because he says when you realize you can turn it on and off, it loses its power. The problem is not death itself, but the emotions you feel towards it. So, Luke, what? <laughs> How often? We're going deep here, right? How often do you really think about death? What a question. I never really... I never really pondered it before I started reading a little bit Marcus Aurelius because yeah. like one of the massive themes in which Tim Ferriss talks about is, and 
is like the, this emphasis on the fact that death is like you live actually in the scheme of things you live a very short life mm-hmm. and death is death is coming and it's much much closer than you think so it's not a natural thing to think about i've found like it's not it's not something that i you really have to deeply think about it that's at least been my experience to because we we can sort of just put it put it to the side Definitely. so i try and like i try and think about it a little bit as much as i can to be honest which is a weird thing to say just to keep it keep perspective on the trivial things that we tend to default in worrying about so much more now i just yeah and it's funny that you almost when i'm watching you talk you almost feel like you have to justify thinking about it a bit yeah in some instances because it would sound strange if you said to someone oh yeah i think about death a lot they'd Mm. think you needed help yes they'd go to a psychologist or a shrink whatever that's funny it's a symptom of the society we live in that is so lost from reality. Cannot see it. Is surrounded by it, but has no idea what it looks like. <laughs> and death is everywhere. Death is everywhere. And you look at the people around you today and all the strange things they do. And their behaviors make sense if it's true that they're never going to die. People's behaviors, the way most people behave on a daily basis, makes sense if you're never going to die. There's no reason to act now. I can hold a grudge on this person because fuck them. I'll get to it one day. There's plenty of time for all that. It's not that time is evaporating in thin air, of course, that everything has to be a panic rush. But it's the nature that death makes things finite. And the conclusion I came to a couple of years ago is that even though no one says that they deny they're going to die, most people do live in a state of denial of death. Mm. They find it easier to push it out of consciousness, avoid the reminders of it, when they are encountered by the reminders of it, to actually switch off emotionally from it, sweep it under the rug and pretend that it's not happening. I was thinking the other day, because one of the one of the I think one of the spaces I think I have my foot in is the kind of career space, maybe. And I think about careers advice, right? I think what do you tell young people when they're starting a career journey? You know, finished high school, how do I navigate the world? What will I do? What things will I pick up and try? I almost feel like the best question to ask someone that I no careers advisor or parent or teacher would ever ask a young person is what is something you are willing to die for? What is something you are willing to die? And it's like, no, Joe, that's, that's a bit heavy. That's a bit <laughs> extreme and everything like that. And what are you doing as young people? They've got their whole lives ahead of them. Well, do they? Because my favorite question of all time is what I call that five-year question. Remember it? 
Not specifically. Okay, it's if you had five years to live, mm. what would you do differently? Yeah. That's my favorite question. And then after that, people answer. And there's a second part, which is not in the, it's not advertised that there's a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, why aren't you living that way now? Because actually, the way most people live makes no sense. That's, a, that's such a good way of putting, putting it. Yes. We have this assumption of 80 years. There's nothing you or I can do to control the reality that one of us might not wake up tomorrow. There's no reason to assume that you have 80 years or 90 years or 100 years. And even then, the biggest risk you have in your life is not that, again, that you made enough of yourself. The biggest risk you have in your life is that you didn't live. So the reason why I would ask a young person now, I think about it, what is worth dying for? Not that their answer would be some magical a sequence of things to pursue in the world, but how that would change the way they thought. And if someone's not ready for that question, it's more of a symptom of the misaligned society we prop up than an inappropriate question. I was going to ask a follow-up yeah. question. Given that, you know, we've evolved to sort of, I mean, protect ourselves from death. Why do you think it is that it's not a natural function or why, why do you think we can sort of just keep it at the back of our mind easily without thinking about this? Because human beings are not, you give someone something that's too real, they switch off. If I started shouting tomorrow, there's going to be a big financial crisis this year. Everyone starts going, ah, people always saying that. <laughs> you actually don't want too much truth at once. We switch off. Once we are given something, we can't. It's a survival mechanism. Tim Ferriss did an episode on childhood abuse. He completely blotched it from his memory because he was two to four years of age. And when it came back, it came back so intense that the risk of, he was lucky he had support around him. He was on a Vipassana retreat. Mm. He had completely obliterated, and that was the childhood defense mechanism. And they were talking about how that's actually perfect because it saves your life that defense mechanism. And it's the same thing. We just have a certain, but in, at the same time, I've heard of tribes that foreground death in education in a way. The Aboriginal culture, much more familiar because we're Australian. We're supposedly taught a lot about it, not from Aborigines, but whatever. And, you know, that they have a story around death. And it's not the, this gets into tricky territory, but, it's not the Western religion promise of an afterlife. <laughs> I'm not denying the concept of an afterlife, but it's probably not the kind of, we are painted, we paint ourselves the picture of this afterlife in terms of a, a very similar version of this material world, but on a cloud. And that's actually part of this illusion. 
to give us this idea that there's something after and that, that takes away the sense of urgency, actually. Eternal means timeless, as Anthony DeMello said, not just never-ending time. It's actually beyond time. The human brain can't fathom it. So just coming, bringing this back a bit, I just, I just the, the coming back to the tribes who are able actually to foreground it and be less fearful of it. The whole promise of Western society or modern society maybe as a product actually doesn't make sense. If you were to foreground death, Luke, the whole thing collapses if you do bring death into daily focus. Because people are not going to spend years pining away for ungrateful employers in corporations. They're not going to save all their pennies or they're not going to buy everything that's put on their TV screen. They're not going to buy all these trivial products everyone's selling. They're not going to sit for 10 years in a box and, and call it education. They're not going to sit for another five years in another box called university. They're not going to spend years waiting to live and to feel the void of inadequacy, consume luxury goods, cars and stuff, which makes the whole thing work. And they're not going to work very hard at things they don't enjoy for decades for the concept of some retirement. None of that makes sense if you could die at any moment. Remember the film 2012, they, they thought the world was going to end in 2012. <laughs> and we used to say, because that was the year we graduated, and they used to say, <laughs> well, fuck, if the world ends, I'll be pissed because I spent my whole life in school. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you were going to die at the age of 18 and you knew it, you would not sit there doing math assignments unless you loved math. You would not sit, sit there reading things you weren't interested in unless you loved reading them. You wouldn't study hard for tests because you're not, there's no promise of a future after unless you just enjoyed the challenge. And you would change the whole fabric of your existence. And this is why I do not think it is fair at all. In fact, it is immoral. The this, this system we subjugate people to because it is all based on this assumption of a future that at that moment does not exist. And it is actually reinforcing the denial of death as a, as a mantra in everyday life. Whereas if the first thought you thought of every morning when you woke up was, I'm one day closer to the end of this party, you would have very few meaningless days. Jeez, that's uh, seems like what you're saying, Joe. Is it's um, it's a very effective framework for focusing on what's important. It's almost like the ultimate productivity hack. It is the ultimate productivity hack. And this is why my question for someone early in their career is, what are you willing to die for? Because otherwise you get caught up in one of these other stories like, well, I'll be successful if I know computer science. I'll have a degree so I can show my credentials of how smart I are. 
You got all these things which are something to come, something to come, instead of something that is living now. And this is why I've come to the point of thinking that we should enroll in things that, yes, have, can lead to an exciting future with other benefits and rewards, but never at the cost of today, not, at, not for a single day. And there's, I want to distinguish pleasure from meaning here because it would be meaningful to struggle tomorrow on Constant Student or for you to struggle on your run or your podcast or for me to struggle putting the podcast together just as the same as every minute of a five-kilometer race is technically painful. But the process itself is meaningful, not just the end result. It is meaningful all the way through, and the, the finish is just a relief of that. That is the definition of a meaningful pursuit. Your life is a marathon. No one, no one is punished by given, being given a marathon. People choose the marathon. People choose the marathon. Assume that you chose to live, because every day people choose to live. Except they don't. Most days people choose to exist, as the Stoics said, as Seneca said. Memento mori. Memento mori. Don't get caught in these smart career moves. If something is being done because it's a smart career move, by definition, by definition, you are investing more in the future than you are in the present. That the reward is coming. The reward is this. The reward is this. This conversation is our reward. I, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Tomorrow, we reward ourselves again. And, uh, and we do it by talking about uh, successful despite. Continuing with Tim Ferriss, the great Tim Ferriss. Thank you very much, Luke. Thank Until you, Until next time.